0: Well, we are in our third installment on a series called A Controlled Burn, The Holy Spirit in You. The past several weeks, uh, we've looked at who is the Holy Spirit and his personality, his attributes, his character, that we can get to know the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit isn't just a mystical power. He's like a wind. He's like a dove. He's like a fire. But he... Has a is has a a person? He is someone you can get to know. When you read the Word of God, you spend time in His presence. You can get to know the the Holy Spirit. Let me show a hand. Who's thankful for the Holy Spirit's role in your life? His empowerment. You know, when you read a lot of the Old Testament and the priesthood, how the priests would uh, go into such detail to prepare the services when the people would come into the temple. Uh, You would also, uh, what the basics of it was before Christ is there would be the blood sacrifices, right, that the priest would make for the atonement of sins. But it wasn't just the sacrifices that we would make, that the priest would make. He would anoint, be anointed with oil, which represented the Holy Spirit, and would anoint his church with the oil of the Holy Spirit, because the cross is the finished work. It's what Jesus paid for grace to make a way to rescue us. The cross arrested, arrested death. But how many of you know he didn't just leave us there? He sent us the helper. He sent us the comforter. He anointed us with the oil of the Holy Spirit to have empowerment to witness, to have empowerment in all spheres of our life. Come on, put your hands together this morning if you're thankful for the Holy Spirit. We honor him this morning and we believe he can do a miracle in your life. We believe he can touch you right where you're at. Whatever your brokenness is, wherever your pain's at, he's our ever-present help in our time of need and he's here to minister just to, just to you this morning. We also want to welcome everyone watching on Facebook, YouTube, wherever you're at. We have a a big family out of our church. They're in New York for a family reunion. We pray you're blessed and you're watching on your way home or wherever you find yourself. We're happy you're here. We're happy all of you are here. You guys are here at the 11 o'clock service. And we're just asking the Holy Spirit to start to ignite something new in our life. When we talked of our first week, the attributes of who the Holy Spirit is, now the Holy Spirit, when we're saved, begins this controlled burn in our life. And I was praying, you know, what what is the, the this series to be named? Just that controlled burn came, because when we're saved, God gives us in essence, the church to be a fireplace for our Christianity to burn in. Because nobody wants, when there's so many, there's so much confusion in the world we live in. What is truth? What is not truth? Well, when you get in God's word and you get in the house of God, it's as a fireplace for the fire of the Holy Spirit to burn, where you can be effective, it can keep you warm. Think of all the uses of fire and what it can do. It can create energy And so my prayer is, is that as this controlled burn is burning, that this morning you would throw some kindling on it. You would keep that fire burning so it can do what it's been designed to do. So this is a controlled burn. This morning, if you're taking notes, please refer to our new church app. You can fill in the blanks there. All the points will be there for you as well, uh, if you can't keep up, as well as some scripture. But this morning, the title of the message is filled and fueled, filled and fueled. Anybody thankful the Holy Spirit fills you, but he just doesn't fill you, man. He fuels you for what he's called you to do this morning. So we're gonna look at how he fills and how he fuels us, what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've turned on late night Christian television or maybe you've grown up in some extreme cases of where the Holy Spirit has been displayed, it can freak you out. It can make you kind of question, okay, what is this Holy Spirit? That person looks possessed, or what is happening there? Why are they reacting that way? And sometimes the Holy Spirit can get thrown under the bus that maybe that person's having an emotional experience, but it's not the Holy Spirit. I've been grown up in church, have been a part of different churches before I came back here, and you see different expressions of the Holy Spirit. You see different expressions of the Holy Spirit in ancient Christianity. We have what's known as, uh, uh, since the 1960s, when the renewal of the Holy Spirit came, charismania, uh, the charismatic movement, uh, the Pentecostalism. Many of you um, seasoned saints have grown up in a time when the Holy Spirit was so powerful and would do amazing things and would birth amazing ministries that have touched a lot of lives and that have touched Pastor Joyce and the webs. and, And now there's this new generation coming in to experience a new Pentecost. Because Pentecost is for every generation. This Holy Spirit is for every generation. And my heart is, as we look to the Upper Room Discourse, as it's known, in the Gospel of John, that we would see from the mouth and hear from the mouth of Jesus of who the Holy Spirit is. I pray anything that has scared you of the Holy Spirit, anything that has said, that is weird, I don't want that, I don't want to act that way, what you've seen go to the, straight to the source where it's the purest, and let's look at what Jesus says of how we're to have the Holy Spirit in our lives because it looks like a controlled burn when the Holy Spirit touches us and when he makes himself known. You know, many times, too, when the Holy Spirit is being represented that isn't scriptural, I believe the Holy Spirit is on the other side with his arms crossed saying, that's not me, that's not me. Here's the thing, the enemy would love nothing more than to make the abuse of the Holy Spirit as a scarecrow to keep you from pressing in to who the Holy Spirit is. What does a scarecrow do? It's a a, a lifeless looking uh, dead body, or not a dead body, but you know what I'm saying, I can't describe it. You know what a scarecrow looks like. Uh, And it keeps pests and birds away from stealing the crops. And so, so does the enemy want to make the Holy Spirit as a scarecrow to scare you from investigating, from going deeper, from understanding the mystery. And so I pray this morning that we just be educated by the word of God, by Jesus himself, because the Holy Spirit can be explosive in your life. The Holy Spirit changes everything. He's the one who has the power to transform you, not Positive thinking does a lot of amazing things, but there's something so much deeper. When you get the power of the Holy Spirit within you, it enlightens every area of your life and you see the need, this thirst, this craving comes. When you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, isn't there a craving in your life? There's a craving for the Word of God. There's a craving to be in the house of God. There's a craving to be in the presence of God. There's a craving where you start to change your music, and you begin just to worship in your car. You begin to put on worship in your house because you want to invite the presence of God. There is a craving for Him, because there's all a thirst within us. And what we run to, there's many different avenues that can quench a thirst, but the only true thirst quencher is Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who never leaves us nor forsakes us. He is the way. He is the truth. And you know this. Who, what else is he? He is the life. And that's the one we want. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, if I had one prayer to pray before I die, it would be this. Lord, send thy church men and women filled with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I love that. And that's what this series is is all about, is that you would know that as God is a consuming fire, what that burn can look like in your life. If you're taking notes, write this down. What will it look like if we are baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire? This week, we're gonna talk about it. Next week, we wanna pray for you. We want to anoint you in oil. I'm going to uh, teach quickly a message called Catching Fire. If anyone can do the mocking, Jay, feel free to do it. Uh, If you're a a Hunger Game fan, that one was for you. But we're going to talk about catching fire, what it looks like to catch the fire of the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray for you to be baptized in that. But this week, we want to look at what does it mean to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. We see where the scripture in the Gospel of John where uh, Jesus says that one is coming greater than I to baptize you with fire. It's all mentioned in all four Gospels. So that means it's important that Jesus wants us to know there has to be this baptism in fire. And as the video you just watched. When you're baptized in fire, it purges anything that's not like him. It is a purging in your life to clear the space, to make room for the Holy Spirit. In your life, but the fire purges it and makes that space. I love this in Exodus 3, verse 1 through 3, kind of a different perspective of where we see a controlled burn, literally. It says this, it says, now Moses, everyone say Moses, Moses. was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire, From the midst of a bush. We know this is the burning bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. What's amazing about this account and what I want you to see is that this bush was in flames, but it wasn't flaming out. So it will be when the power of the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be inflamed, but you will not be flaming out. You will burn brightly without burning up. You will burn brightly without burning up. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and what I want to look at this morning is being filled with the Holy Spirit is much more normal than we think. It's much more normal. It's not something that's mystic or way out there, or I I don't understand that, but it's very normal. When you think of it this way, when you study on the book of Acts, it's uh, over a 30-year period. Acts, if you don't know, was the, the beginning of the church. The apostles, they saw miracle after miracle, but there's only 28 chapters, and out of those 28 chapters, only 30 miracles are accounted for in the book of Acts. So we see yes there was miracles but out of 30 years there was only 30 miracles accounted for. What I want you to see this morning is that the Holy Spirit wants to touch the everyday part of your life. He wants to show you how to be married well. Come on, someone say amen. He wants to show you how to raise kids and raise grandkids. He wants to show you how to invite his presence into your workplace. He wants to show you how to wake up and say good morning, Holy Spirit, and start your day with him. He wants to be at the center of your life. Yes, miracles will flow out of that, healings, the gifts of the Spirit. But there's something where, as we said in week one, the Holy Spirit makes everything Jesus did personal just for you. He allows you to understand it. He takes something as big and as epic as the work of, a, of the cross and applies it to your life personally. Think about that. He allows you to understand it. He gives revelation through his word when you study And so when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll be like this bush. You'll be in control. It's not like when the Holy Spirit touches you, whether in a church service or a conference or you're in your bedroom, you are still in control. The Holy Spirit isn't as a puppeteer telling you what to do. You're in control. He's flowing through you and you're working with him and you're moving with him. It was in flames, but it didn't flame out. It's more normal than we think it is. Look at this first point of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We see this right off the bat in the book of Acts, is, "You will be given power to witness. You'll be given boldness, you'll be given courage. You'll be given power to witness." Acts 1:8 says this. It says, "But you shall receive power. Everybody say power." It says, "You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be a witness to me in Jerusalem." In all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When we see the Holy Spirit sit in the upper room, He was sent to empower them for the mandate that Jesus gave to go into all the world. So, is for you and I the same mandate? It's not a suggestion, it's not, hey, if you want to. This is a commandment as believers that we're to go into all the world. We're to go into our homes, our communities, and we're to be a witness for who Jesus is, but we can't do that in our flesh by our, on our own accord. He gives us power to be able to do that, to speak on his behalf. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, this is what you begin to say, and this is what you begin to talk like. We tell people who Jesus is. We tell our children who Jesus is. We tell those around us who Jesus is, and then we tell them what Jesus has done for us. Anybody got a story in here this morning where Jesus has done something specific in your life, and there's something that you know it was only him and by his power that you can't stay, you can't shut up. You have to tell of his goodness. You have to praise him. You have to thank him because of his goodness in your life. You tell people who he is, and then you tell people what Jesus has done for you. He wants to raise you up as a witness, to give you the power to testify of his goodness in your life. You might be sitting here this morning, you might say, well, Pastor Garrett, I don't really have a story. Well, you hang in there with Jesus for some time and baby, you'll have a good story. When you think of a picture in your head of who the Holy Spirit is, it's someone who loves talking about Jesus. When you spend time with the Holy Spirit, he's gonna to begin to talk about who Jesus is, what he's done for you. He's gonna bring revelation of his word to you. When we see of these witnesses after the day of Pentecost, look what scripture says, Acts 2.32. says, this Jesus God has raised up of which we are all witnesses. So the, the, you start starting to see this theme of witness in the apostles. Acts 4.20, Peter, full of the spirit, says this, for we cannot but speak the things with which we have seen and have heard. When you've seen, when you've tasted the song we sing, I've tasted and seen, you have to just, you have to share it. You have to live it. It begins driving your life when you've tasted of the goodness of the Holy Spirit. You start doing crazy things like showing up to church all the time, staying for two services, joining a small group, getting here early and just praying. Crazy things start happening when you're full of the Holy Spirit. Acts 4:31 also says, "And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. I'm telling you, boldness comes when the Holy Spirit touches down in your life. When I was a 17, 18-year-old kid, I wasn't confident. I'd, I never thought the whole thing. I never thought I'd be standing here today. I wanted to go toward the route of business and and those kind of things. But when the Holy Spirit calls you, he puts a boldness in you, whether it's for ministry or whether it's in the marketplace to start your own business. He puts a boldness and a comfort and security that he's backing you with how you're moving. He puts a boldness in you. And this is what he did to the apostles to advance the kingdom of God. And the gates of hell were not going to prevail against it. When you're full of the Holy Spirit, you have a confidence that the gates of hell are not going to prevail against your marriage, against your family. There's going to be a burn within you that's telling you, I've got you. You can do this. There's victory on the horizon. I'm going to take the dry places in your life and birth rivers out of. Somebody say amen. amen. Don't ever underestimate the power of being a witness. Number two is you will be humbled. When you think of uh, uh, Independence Weekend, Bree and I, or I was letting the dog out last night and there was fireworks going off everywhere. Come on, everyone was up till midnight here on the popping and the banging. And uh, I was letting the dog out and I just began to watch fireworks and the fireworks kind of uh, trimmed down and I just began looking up at the skies and you just get this, revelation of, man, God is big. Anyone just, you love stargazing, you love staring at the sky and the stars and things, and you just begin, your mind goes places, you start asking yourself really deep theological questions, and you just, man, God is big. You also think of Jesus and his majesty, and what happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit? You're never to be prided or puffed up to be prideful, but when you're in the presence of majesty, what happens? You're humbled. When you're in the Prince of Master, you become real humbled really quick. The same as with when you experience the Holy Spirit touch down on you. You fall to your knees. You're humbled because the God of the universe, the God who made the planets and the stars and breathes life, the air I'm breathing is a gift from God right now. He's decided to call you and me a royal priesthood, a holy nation. The temple, come on, the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are now the temple in which his presence dwells. And it is humbling when you think of that. When you want to see someone filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll find someone very humbled because of what God has done in their life. Number three is you will be hydrated. There's nothing better than after you've worked all day, you feel parched. Pregnancy dehydrates Brie a lot, so I'm just always throwing water at her. Hey, you drinking the water, drinking the water. There's nothing better when you're parsed as I am right now. Give me a second. You just hydrate. It's good. Good stuff. There's nothing better when you take a moment and you hydrate, how it brings life back into you, how it rejuvenates you. So when you experience the Holy Spirit, not only is he like a fire, Scripture says, He's as a, a, a river. Look what John seven thirty seven says. It says, on the last day, this is Jesus talking, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone, he's saying this to us this morning, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow what? Rivers of living water. Not only does he just hydrate you, but he puts a river within you that goes out all around you and it begins blessing other people. It begins hydrating other people. Husbands, you have the ability to hydrate your wife through the power of the Holy Spirit. Wives, you have the ability to hydrate your husbands through the power of the Holy Spirit. You hydrate your family. You keep them a well-oiled machine. The Holy Spirit wants to be that oil to keep you cranking, to keep you moving keep you operating the way he's designed you to do. As Christians, we can never stop drinking. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, yes, there's the initial baptism, but it is an everyday decision. When you wake up, I'm going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna drink of the water of the Holy Spirit. Anyone thirsty this morning, and you could use a, a refreshing of the Holy Spirit. You think about the woman at the well, how ironic, the Samaritan woman, you read in the gospel story of the encounter Jesus had with her, when he goes up to her and she's been in a life of sin. And you know, many people when they think of Christianity or religion, they think the first thing is judgment or man a, a finger pointed that you're a sinner. But what did Jesus do? He loved her. He spoke the truth in love, and out of that word of knowledge, she began. Just to cry, begin to let down because she had been going from husband to husband to husband to try to quench a need within her. But let me tell you, when the living water showed up at the well that she didn't even know, was not expecting, everything changed in that moment for her. It changed so much when she experienced the love of Jesus that she had to run back in town and tell everyone else about this love, this Jesus that she had met. He quenched her thirst. The same as what the Holy Spirit does for us is he quenches your thirst. I don't know who I'm talking to, but you need to stop running all these different directions. You need to run to the word of God. You need to run to the Holy Spirit. You need to fall on your knees and and allow the presence of majesty to humble you and say, Holy Spirit, I'm tired of doing things my own way. I'm tired of plugging into all these areas. Holy Spirit, quench this thirst, quench this longing of acceptance that I have. Fill me by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you, when you, get, when you get real with God, He gets real with you, and He will fill you, and He will fuel you, in Jesus' name. Yes. Number four is you will become farsighted. Anybody farsighted in here? You know, several years ago, my dad got this surgery. I have great eyes. I eat a lot of carrots, so my vision stays good. Just kidding. But my dad got this surgery where he... Uh, got new lenses put on his eyes. Isn't it amazing what medicine can do anymore? And how when he got uh, his lenses put on, he was like a kid in a candy shop, man. He was reading every sign when we were going down the road. He was so thankful that he had was now farsighted. The same as with you and I, when the Holy Spirit touches us, we become spiritually Farsighted. The things that are right in front of us, the distractions, just the everyday cares of life that consume so much of our time, we can begin to see over them and begin to see from a different perspective that we can see that heaven isn't so far off, that this life is but the the twinkling of an eye, is but... Uh, when you look at a grave plot, the line that defines us, it's just a small little line and how we live that small line defines our eternity. So you begin to become driven by eternity. You begin to see that the Holy Spirit wants to bring heaven into earth through your life, through your purpose. And through your calling, you become far-sighted. You're not just consumed with pleasure and comfort. You you can begin to put the pillow down and get up and spend time in His presence. He motivates you to do these things. But as Scripture says, we have to always seek first. But when we seek Him, you will always find Him. You become spiritually far-sighted. The fuzziness, the static, leaves in your life. I'm a testimony to this. The static and the fuzziness leaves, and he takes you right to the core of who he is, and you experience his love in wave after wave. We sing reckless love here. We sang it this morning. What's a line in that? There's no lie you won't tear down. The Holy Spirit tears down lies in your life. He tears down lies of what people have spoken over you, what people have said about you, what people have posted about you on social media. He tears down lies of what you believe about yourself, your self-worth, your value. He tears those lies down in the name of Jesus. I love it too because we live in a world and in a culture that says escape your reality. When things get going bad, Run, look a different direction, bring more stuff for entertainment into your life. The Holy Spirit brings you smack dab in the middle of your real self, of your real reality, and says, this is what's going on. I wanna heal it. I don't want you to run from it. I wanna be brought in the middle of it and heal your brokenness and make you who, who I've intended you to be. I don't know who I'm talking to here again, but you need to stop running from your reality, but bring your reality to the altar of Jesus Christ. Come to the altar. That's where you'll find healing and forgiveness and empowerment for your life. Number five, fruit will be grown. Who's thankful for the fruit of the Holy Spirit that's given to you? I saw a commentary um, on Galatians 5.22 and something uh, just sparked out at me. Kenny, if you would put it up. It talks about the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Look what it says. It says, but the fruit. I've always read it, but the fruits, right? Right? But it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. So it's implying here that the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then it begins to say, this is what this love, this fruit looks like. It's joy. It's peace. It's long-suffering. It's kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. In a world that craves for love, in a world that craves for acceptance and relationship, We have a messed up version of what love is, but the Holy Spirit will reveal what love is and grow that fruit on your life. If you're looking for a relationship, if there's not joy and peace, if they're not willing to to bear through tough times with you, if there's not kindness, if there's not goodness, if there's not a faithfulness there, a gentleness, ladies, never go after a man who isn't gentle. If there's not self-control, against such things there is no law. Let these fruits become so ripe in your life. Let this love get down deep in you. Allow the fruits of the Spirit. It says that fruit will be grown. Look what Jesus says. His heart is for the fruits to be in your life. It says, by this my Father is glorified. John fifteen eight. Here's what Jesus says to you this morning. That you would bear much fruit. Somebody say bear fruit. Bear fruit. Tell your spirit to bear fruit. He says this, so you will be my disciples. A sign of a true follower of Jesus is one who bears fruit. I'm a believer, and I keep myself to the standard that if I don't see myself becoming progressively kind, if I don't see myself becoming more long-suffering, more patient, having more goodness coming out of my life, walking in love more, then I question the authenticity of my faith. Because... If you call yourself a believer, the fruits will be evident in your life. And we need a church and we need a generation that doesn't say one thing but does another. We need a generation that is willing to walk the path of holiness, that's willing to gird themselves up in the Holy Spirit and value the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It should be like this. It should be fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. That's what the Holy Spirit desires to do in your life. Somebody said amen. Number six. Our final note here is spiritual capabilities will be unlocked. Who's thankful for the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life? Who's thankful for prayer? Who's thankful that God gives us fasting? Who's thankful that God gives us miracles and healing and helps and administration? He gives us these gifts of the Holy Spirit, not only just to bless you. See, there's, you can be very selfish with your gift, right? You can be selfish. We all are guilty of it at times. But when you take your talents your unbridled talents, rather, and you bring them before the altar of Jesus Christ and you give them back to him, he takes them, he blows on them and does something supernatural to them, through them and to them. Spirit, these spiritual capabilities will be unlocked. And in the weeks ahead, we will unpack these of what these spiritual capabilities are. But see, many times we pursue the gift before we pursue the fruit. The fruit is who you are, but the gifts are what you can do. The fruit has to do with character, but the gifts has to do with capabilities. They both go hand in hand. We can't have these gifts without the fruit in our lives. Paul talks of these, of how to operate in the gifts, and he asks this big rhetorical question in 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 30. He says in, in 28 that, and God has appointed these in the church. He says there's apostles, there's prophets, there's teachers, there's miracles, there's gifts of healing, there's helps, there's administration, there's varieties of tongues. And he asks, are, are all these apostles, are all prophets? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? A big rhetorical question here. And the answer would be no. That's why he gives us a body where we all work together, where we all esteem one another, that someone who has a, 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 a gifting of help and someone who has a gifting to speak or to preach or to proclaim the word of God, they all go together. It's like I've said before with the gift of uh, just music ministry and how it's, it, it, it just burns the walls down that we put up when we walk into church and then it lets you get the hard-hitting surgery of the word. And so the, the worship of, of God, when we bring our praises, it just melts us so that we can receive What God wants to do through His Word. It's amazing when you see the gifts work together. And I'm thankful that we're a church that believes in these gifts, that wants them operating in your life. You know, there's a lot of gifts that come with controversy, there's gifts of speaking in tongues, where uh, a generation of you know, unchurched would not understand when they saw someone speaking in tongues. Anybody, maybe you were a, a young in the faith, you saw someone speaking in tongues and you're like, I didn't know she could speak Spanish, right? You know, you're like, what's happening here? Yeah. <laughs> speaking in tongues is very real. We believe it here. I've, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit with an evidence of speaking in tongues. But there's a way that it's to operate, as are all gifts, Scripture says, Paul says very clearly that if an unbeliever were to walk in your church and someone were to begin speaking in tongues in the middle of a service, that it would make them think, that person, what is, are they possessed? What is going on? So it says that you have to, there is an order to how the gifts are to operate. And when you operate in the order, then there will be blessing in it. A lot with tongues is, because most people when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the most questions that come is with tongues, is tongues is a lot for self edification. Paul says that I speak in tongues more than any of you. He always has this like humble boast that he always does. It's like, you think you speak in tongues. I speak in tongues more than any of you. But if you have questions on tongues or some of these gifts that you might not understand, please talk with a pastor here and we would love to explain more of that to you. But the Bible is clear that there's these gifts, these spiritual capabilities that are to be unlocked in your life. And when you can begin to push past the scarecrows that you've believed about the Holy Spirit, things will begin to come alive in you. And when you have the gifts of the Holy Spirit, what begins to happen is the temptation and the sin and the longing for love in all the wrong places. You begin to get this perspective shift. And guess what begins to happen? The bait that the enemy has in front of you that makes you fall into sin or a pattern you see in your life, You get that different perspective because you're spiritually farsighted and you can see the hook under the bait. Think about that. You can see the temptation coming before it even gets to you. You can see the hook of what wants to grip you and pull you down. The Holy Spirit wants to illuminate these things in your life. Bree, if you would come, I want us to sing here in a second. There's five things I want you to know when the gifts are operating. Kenny, if you would put that slide up. Five things you need to know when you have the Holy Spirit operating in your life, when the gifts of the Holy Spirit are operating. One is an ounce of love is better than a pound of gifts. An ounce of love is better than a pound of gifts. If you are gifted, but there's no love behind it, what does Scripture say? It says it's like a clanging cymbal, it doesn't sound good, it's annoying. (laughs) An ounce of love is better than a pound of gifts. There has to be the fruit of love in order for the gifts to be received. You know I love you this morning and I want God's best for you, so you're receiving the gift that's coming forth. Number two is the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. Again, the Holy Spirit will not force himself upon your life. He will not tell you, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That comes from a decision from you inviting the Holy Spirit into your life. Three, the gift's, are dynamic, not static. It's not just usually a one-time occurrence. It's dynamic. It grows. You know you can grow in your gifting. You can practice it. You can grow in these gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we'll unpack these in the weeks ahead. Number four is glamour and importance are not connected. Glamour and importance are not connected. There's certain gifts that get glamorized. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit, whether it's helps, whether it's It's speaking or uh, miracles. No one is greater than the other in the kingdom of God. Glamor and importance are not connected. And one I didn't put on here is you will be opposed. You will be opposed. Jesus speaks of this greatly, is when you begin to walk in the Holy Spirit, Jesus says that they hated me first, so expect opposition when you begin to follow Christ. Why is that? Because you're carrying a cross. You're choosing to follow Jesus to the ends of the earth. But it's the Holy Spirit that empowers you to move past opposition. It's his Holy Spirit that gives you the grace to finish your race. It's the Holy Spirit that gives you the grace to go fishing, to go after people, to go after your family. It's the Holy Spirit that guards the evangelization that's happening here right now. So when there's unbelievers that come in, they're drawn to Jesus' his heart. It's his kindness that leads us To repentance. If you don't know his love, if you don't know his kindness, you'll never be drawn to him. But his love truly is reckless, and he wants you to encounter him every day of your life. The Holy Spirit makes it personal. He wants to bring new wine out of you this morning. I want to share this with you, and then I want us to stand, and I want us to worship. I want us to declare that new wine is gonna come out of us this morning. Anyone prayer, anyone's prayer this morning is you want new wine, the Holy Spirit to do something new in you this morning. You need a touch of his presence. This is a great book. It's called The Spiritual Gifts Handbook. It's, I've been reading it and just studying and it has a lot of early church fathers and it has modern day uh, movements that have happened in the Holy Spirit, but it goes back to the beginning and it shares just how the Holy Spirit was on the move. And this is about when there's the sober intoxication of the spirit, when you experience the fullness of his presence and it takes you over and he marks you. It says this, it says in the prophets, new wine was an image of the abundance of divine life. Jesus wants to put his divine life in you. He says that God would pour out when the Messiah came. We live in that day now. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the mountains shall drip sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. That's from the prophet Amos. At Pentecost, the new wine of the Spirit came. We have access to this new wine now. A church father by the name of St. Cyril of Jerusalem says this. They, the disciples of Pentecost, were not drunk in a way that you might think. Because, you know, there's a thing when they came out of the upper room, it says that they acted as though they were drunk. That was a slang that the unbelievers didn't understand that. Man, they're just drunk. No, they're filled with new wine. It says, they are indeed drunk, but hear this. But with the sober intoxication right here that kills sin and gives life to the heart. When you experience the Holy Spirit, it kills sin and gives life to your heart which is the opposite of physical drunkenness. Drunkenness makes a person forget what he knows. This kind instead, the wine of the Holy Spirit, un- brings understanding of things that were not formally known. You need divine revelation in your life, pursue the Holy Spirit, because he will make the mystery known to you. It says, they are drunk in as far as they have drunk the wine of the mystical vine, which affirms in John fifteen five that he's the vine, and you're the branch. That's his heart for you this morning, is that as you stay connected to him, he's gonna pour his wisdom, his knowledge, and his understanding into your life. His wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. If you would stand to your feet this morning, we're gonna declare this over our life again. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? He wants to hydrate you this morning. He wants to fill you. He wants to show himself true to you. He wants spiritual capabilities to be unlocked. If you would bow your head, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the new wine of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, God, that those that are here this morning that are feeling parched, maybe they feel far from you. Maybe they have never experienced this baptism in the Holy Spirit that activates everything in their life. God, I pray that the scarecrows, the abuse that maybe they've seen, God, that that would be a lie torn down right here, right now. God, that they would know how much you love them. You love them so much that you just didn't shout it from heaven, but you sent your son to die on the cross. Blood was shed for us. So that we would have eternal life that we would have forgiveness that our slate would be made clean and we can have access to the grace of god that we can boldly approach the throne room of grace but you didn't leave us there you said i'm going to send it's to your advantage that i go because i'm sending a helper i'm sending the paraclete the comforter the one who is going to anoint your head and make everything that I've done personal just for you. God, we thank you that the same Holy Spirit that showed up at Pentecost 2,000 years ago is the same Holy Spirit that's here today and wants to baptize his church, wants to baptize a new generation, wants to baptize us in holiness, wants to baptize us in power, in fire. We ask that the fire of heaven would begin to fall on Gathering Place Church that the oil would drip down upon us in the name of Jesus. As we're praying and before we sing, you might be standing here this morning and you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ. You've never said, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. Maybe you've been through a season where you've kind of walked away from God, where you were pulled away. Maybe the bait just kind of pulled you and pulled you and pulled you. And it brought you now to a place of brokenness where you thought that thing would quench you. You thought that relationship would quench that thirst. But now you're at a place where you have an understanding. There's wisdom. There's knowledge. You have this knowing that Jesus is the one who can save my life. Jesus is the one who can quench the eternal thirst that is within my body if that's you this morning and you've never made a decision or you felt that you've walked away and you want to come back home, I just want you to raise your hand right where you're at and I just want to pray for you. Is there anyone here this morning? Amen. I see you right here. God bless you. I see you. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hand down. Here in a second, I want both of you to come forward that raise your hands and I just want to pray with you right here. But we're going to worship And we're going to ask for the new wine of the Holy Spirit to come. And then we're going to celebrate as we pray and as we welcome family into the kingdom of God. So Brie, lead us in this. And let's believe that rivers of living water are going to begin to flow out of us. That the Holy Spirit wants to do something in you right here and right now in the name of Jesus.